We're Rachel and Erica, and this is the Autoimmune and You podcast. Neither of us took one answer as our truth when we were diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, and we want you to do the same. There is so much information out there, so many people telling you what or what not to do, and we know how confusing it can feel. This podcast is about breaking past your limits and fears and realizing that different things work for each of us. You are the creator of your own journey, and guess what? You can do whatever the fuck you want. Hey everyone, welcome back to Autoimmune and You. If you're listening to our podcast, you probably have a chronic illness or deal with chronic symptoms or have an autoimmune disease. And we want to talk about kind of the extreme ends of what can happen after you get diagnosed uh, with an illness because there is kind of two sides in the chronic illness autoimmune community. It's the holistic healing, which is like no medication, you know, just detoxing and cleansing and, you know, changing your diet and, you know, all those things can be good, but it becomes an extreme end when you're allowing yourself to suffer more than you need to, because you have this big idea worked up in your head about medication. And maybe it feels like a failure to get on medication, or it's this, thing that can't be helpful to you on your journey and with your health problems. And then there's also the other side, which is like the allopathic side, the Western side, the conventional side, where doctors are treating you with medications and surgery and radiation, all of those types of things. And it's kind of like those people that really get stuck in the mindset, like my doctor knows best. There's nothing I can do for myself. You know, medication is the only way, you know, there there's two extreme sides to this. And what Rachel and I have tried to do throughout our journey is like find the balance between the two, because speaking for me specifically, like I have been on the very extreme side of holistic healing. And for the last, I don't know, maybe like four years, it's been a passion of mine to bring more balance to the community so people can actually heal and thrive. Because as we've talked about many times, like when you are so obsessed with your healing, it can become stressful, keep you in survival, keep your nervous system dysregulated, which was a huge component of my own personal journey with healing rheumatoid arthritis and a lot of what my clients experience. So we kind of just want to dive into like, you know, what, what did that look like? You know, what are the things we did to kind of shift out of that? And how did we get to a place where we're actually thriving and we have a better relationship with food? We have a better relationship with our body. We have a better understanding of our body. What do our symptoms mean? You know, instead of looking at it as like, oh, my body's just randomly attacking itself. We have a total different understanding and we're both very passionate about sharing this information with you guys to actually help you heal and thrive because the divisiveness between, you know, just medication or no medication doesn't really serve anybody. I think you have to find your own balance and whatever is going to help you get your nervous system regulated, build that mind body awareness and get you out of that fear state, which a lot of people are in after their diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Absolutely true. Our biggest goal 
as honestly, like souls on this planet in this experience and like on our podcast and on social media and with clients is just helping you to realize that yes, you can live a life that feels quote unquote normal and feels joyful and feels exciting. Nothing about being diagnosed or dealing with um, any sort of chronic issues should be something that just keeps you held back forever for the rest of your life. There is no reason for that. There's so many different types of things out there and things within yourself that can help you along the way. And we're here to help you realize those things and realize that they're actually really accessible for you and they don't have to be scary or daunting. Um, so like on the, what Erica was talking about, the two kind of sides of the chronic illness community, it seems like on both kind of more extreme sides, the root is kind of this mindset of like addiction almost because on the more Western medicine side of things, you almost have an addiction to like this mindset of dis-ease. You, like Erica said, believe that your doctor knows best. You put all of your faith into something else and you are addicted to constantly trying different treatments and medications and you're convinced that nothing else will help you. Whereas on the other side of things, sometimes the holistic healing side of things you become almost addicted to what's the next modality I can do? What's the next mm-hmm. practitioner I can see? What's the, you know, next diet I can do if that's all you're doing without medication? Like there's so many different things that you can literally like get addicted to as far as the mindset of it. Mm-hmm. And we're here to show you that there can be a very, very happy and exciting middle ground. And I think that for anyone's journey, there is a lot of peace and freedom to be found in that middle ground. And that's all, that's all we want for you. That's kind of the big goal of this episode specifically is helping you to realize that you can take what you're going through as a jumping off point and you can allow all of the things that you experience and all of the perceptions of yourself that you start to build in a positive light and all of the things that you're doing and those can trickle down into every single area of your life. This doesn't have to like autoimmune and chronic illness stuff doesn't have to be compiled into one little like box in your life. It can actually cause positive or sometimes negative changes in every single aspect of your life. So I think for both of us, we have found that especially I would say over the last three years, specifically the freedom and excitement more than ever And not only that, but we've gotten to see how much the work we've put in has positively impacted all of the areas, like all of the things that you could possibly imagine. I can't, I couldn't even even like thought up the life that I have now before I was diagnosed. And when I was very first diagnosed in 2017, beginning of 2017, I literally just immediately took it as like, okay, well, I already had a feeling that I wasn't super... I wasn't as healthy as I thought I was. And then that was like a big wake up call. And I took it as that. And I kind of ran with it. I was like, okay, what do I think that like my life could look like? What are things that I'm missing right now? What am I feeling right now? And I just literally wrote like crazy. And obviously that's my own journey. Everyone's journey is totally different. But the point there is coming at it from a scope of genuine curiosity and not fear. Yeah, that's exactly right. And when you're, when I'm thinking about all this, this just came to my mind and I was trying to write it down as you were talking, but what I see from like people that 
embark on this kind of holistic journey versus like the people that are just dependent upon, you know, Western medicine, right? Is I'm looking at it from a nervous system state. So for instance, and this relates back to my own journey, like when your nervous system is dysregulated, you're going to develop these survival parts. And I think I've talked about it on here, but survival parts being like perfectionism or people pleasing to whatever to help you bring safety and control back in your life, right? So when I see people that are heavily dependent on medication, they, you know, don't believe in any of this holistic stuff, right? From a nervous system state, I'm seeing them like disassociated. I'm seeing them as victims, right? Like I'm seeing them as feeling helpless and disconnected from their body. So those are the people that usually get really fixated on the label of their diagnosis and it becomes their whole identity, right? Because it keeps them in that victim Mm -hmm. mentality, which again, it's not anything to be upset about or they should be shameful about. It's just that victim mentality is probably been a survival aspect of their life and it just carried into their diagnosis. Right. And on the opposite side of that, the survival parts of like perfectionism, control and overachieving were me, right? Like those were my survival parts. So it makes sense that when I got diagnosed that I wanted to perfect my diet, I wanted to control everything that went in it. I wanted to be the overachiever. I wanted to be the person at the finish line going, look, look what I did. Right. And so both of those can be extremely toxic and detrimental to your well-being, right? Because perfectionism leads to stress because if you feel like, which you're never going to get anything perfect, right? So there's this constant pressure, constant standard to like heal, right? There's a lot of expectation to heal. And then on the other side, that helplessness keeps people paralyzed so they don't even question, hey, what are my symptoms actually teaching me, right? So then they stay in that and they don't make any progress because they haven't actually started the work on themselves. So on both sides, you can see how extremely detrimental those things can be. And in the, you know, first couple years of my diagnosis, maybe two to three, I was one of those people on the holistic side that was like constantly juicing, you know, fasting, like doing like water fast, juice fast for like four days when I was like already like a hundred pounds, you know, not good for the nervous system too, to be constantly doing that when your body is already in a state of survival. And then, you know, taking lots of supplements and, you know, doing all this stuff and avoiding medication too. That was the other thing. You guys know, I didn't take any medication for rheumatoid arthritis up until the pandemic really, which is, you know, was another trigger for my nervous system and my immune system. But up until that point, like a lot of the times, like I avoided taking an NSAID, you know, a leave or something that, that could alleviate my suffering. But I just let myself suffer because I had placed this expectation on myself of like, you don't need medication. You don't need help from anybody else. So you see how the two sides are like, one is like, I need all the help from the doctors. There's nothing I can do. And then the other holistic side is like, I don't need anybody else. I completely got this myself, but it can also be harmful to the individual. So like the reason why I approach my coaching the way that I do now is because I've gone to the extreme sides of it. And really throughout our podcast, if we were to go back 
to listen. Mm-hmm. You know, there's probably even now, even now at this point in my life, we're going to look back at a couple of years and be like, okay, yeah. you know, but I've learned so much. Yeah, yeah, it is. And like, even with, you know, learning about the nervous system and all of this stuff. Now I have to catch myself in, you know, not getting so black and white with it and understanding that there are other elements that I can't see, you know, but I do believe in, you know, all of this nervous system stuff. Obviously, I wouldn't be talking to my clients about it or sharing it on social media because I'm a true testament of like healing all of those aspects such as depression, anxiety, panic attacks, OCD, all those things. But I I have to keep myself flexible and willing to learn and educate myself and continue to evolve so I don't get stuck in patterns. Mm -hmm. I don't get stuck in this kind of dogmatic view that I had going through college and like, you know, all of that. So I think, you know, the, the experience that you get on your journey is going to teach you a lot. And just because you listen to this episode doesn't mean you're automatically going to stop doing or stop approaching your healing the way that you are now. But the point is to know that people change, things change, our perspective changes, you know, there, you're going to learn a lot but you kind of have to go through it yourself. And, you know, there's people that want to keep doing it the way that they're doing it. They're convinced that the diet is going to work for them. They're convinced that, you know, some detox or treatment is going to work for them. And I just I just look at those people now and I'm like, I, I do, I'm not even angry. You know, I'm just like, OK, they got to figure it out. They got to get to a point where they understand, OK, maybe there's more to my healing than just that. Maybe the the survival parts that I'm implementing on this journey are actually detrimental versus healing to mm-hmm. to myself. So yeah. Yeah, I think that that's absolutely like I don't know, you just always nail the what is it? Nail the uh, head in the coffin? I think I don't know if that's I'm not so good with those phrases. Those. Okay, whatever. Everyone hopefully everyone knows what I was saying. Um <laughs> but I feel like you're always like taking so many of like the words out of my mouth and I absolutely out of my brain really and I absolutely love it. <laughs> And you actually like in talking about these like survival parts of yourself had me reflecting because I was thinking, what are survival parts of myself that I was operating from when I was first Mm -hmm. diagnosed? And honestly, it was not the perfection side. Most of my life I had been like more of a perfectionist, but then I feel like honestly, right before I was diagnosed a couple of years before I had already kind of started to like go into this journey away from that and like kind of self-discovery and stuff like that. And I had started like, like here and there listening to podcasts and reading books. But then after I was diagnosed is when I like dove in full force of like, okay, now I really want to like make a difference in my life. But I was anyway, reflecting on survival parts of myself. And a big one for me was like fear of abandonment. And like, I just tend to shut down. And so I get into the kind of like that, that freeze, that shutdown and that feeling of no one gets me. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I have to figure this out myself. Um, and in that, I basically shut out anyone that wanted to be there for me, whether it was my parents, whether, and I've mm-hmm. talked on past episodes, how like my now ex-husband boyfriend at the time wasn't really there for me during my diagnosis. But at the same time, I have to also reflect on the fact that I didn't necessarily let him be there because at first I really did want him to be there. And I tried really hard to get him to be there for me. And he just wasn't. 
Like to the point where the very first time I went to urgent care, I had to beg him to leave work to go with me because I was crying and couldn't drive. And I was like freaking out. And I, I did end up having to drive myself there. And it was the scariest moments of my life. And after that point, it kind of was like, all right, well, I'm not going to be able to count on him. And I just kind of shut down from him in that kind of aspect. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't really have much support through, especially the first like bit of my um, journey, especially during the diagnosis process and all the testing. And, you know, anyone who's listening has probably been through a lot of that as well. And I just kind of like had this narrative that no one gets me and I don't have support. And that's just the way it's going to be. And then I found like a, um, a virtual fitness community, actually, like a few months after I was diagnosed and I was like, wait a second, this is like a bunch of like really empowering, amazing women. And they don't, they don't necessarily know what it is I'm going through, but they are so welcoming and make me feel so excited to be on calls with them, like working out together, having that camaraderie, having that accountability. And I was just like, whoa, wait a second. Like, this is really freaking cool. Like, I actually feel like I have support right now. And they aren't asking me why I'm modifying every workout. You know, they're not asking me why I'm like not jumping and, you know, doing crazy burpees and stuff. Like I'm doing things the way that I can and I don't feel weird about it. And that's when I started to genuinely feel empowerment for the first time. And then from there is when I started to share more and more of my journey. And I started to be like, wait a second there are other people who are going through this because then people would start reaching out. And then from there, as I started sharing more, as I had the um, support of this fitness community virtually, I was like, wow, this is such a huge missing link. And that's when I started coming out more of like my shell of that shutdown because I've always been an extrovert. I've always been outgoing. I've always loved people. And the survival parts of myself just completely shut all of that off when I was first diagnosed because I was like, no one understands. And when I would go out into social situations after I was like able to, again, after I was diagnosed and like bed rest and physical therapy and all that, even then I wouldn't talk to my friends about what was going on. I've talked about this on other episodes. I've talked about this on social media. I would just be like, yeah, my knees are messed up. Like that's all I would say. I wouldn't talk about like the fact that it affects other parts of my body and, you know, every aspect of my being, I just was like, Mm -hmm. yeah, my knees are messed up. And if someone really wanted to talk to me, obviously I wouldn't like lie. Like I'm an open book if someone really wants to sit down and talk. But at the time I didn't necessarily have those like super genuine in-person connections that I have now. It was a lot of like kind of superficial relationships. And there was definitely a couple of close friends in my life, but because I was so stuck in that survival mode, it was really, really hard to get past those like recurring thoughts and beliefs that I had given myself from the beginning, no matter how much mindset work and, you know, journaling I did and meditation and podcasts I was listening to, like, yes, of course, all of that definitely helped, but it was still hard to claw my way out of that stuck feeling that just, I was paralyzed. Right. And I just want to like, kind of point out that it's easy. It's easy to get stuck in that. And you don't have to feel shame if you are stuck in that currently. The thing is, it's hard to recognize when you're stuck. Because when I was in this, I wasn't like, oh, I'm stuck in this survival mechanism of shutdown. I'm stuck in this mindset that no one gets me. Like I wasn't having those thoughts. I was just in it, you know, like when you're in the trenches, you have no idea what's above you and out there. And so you have to recognize that it's okay if you're stuck. But once you realize that you are, that's when you start 
fighting like hell to get out of that and like starting to move to operate from a space of compassion for yourself and from knowing like, okay, that's where I was. And now that I recognize it, now I can make a change, but you can't really make a change until you actually are aware of what's happening, right? That goes for any aspect of your journey. You can't make a change unless you know something's happening. But the point there is that you can make a change once you have that awareness and you can start to adopt that mindset of growth. And you can start to realize that you want to constantly change. Like Erica was saying, you really want to be able to constantly transform and grow and have different opinions and have different outlooks and have more freedom and have, you know, more trust in yourself and in your journey. And I think through all of this, the thing that I love reflecting on is going from this shut down mindset of no one gets me. I'm going to be alone in this forever to what I have built now in my business, in my wellness method collective, in having a community of women who all are there for each other and having group calls all the time, like having this, like being the one that has been able to cultivate this for people. And Erica and I always say, we, we do what we do because we never had this for ourselves. That is like number one, why we do what we do, right? We want to be for you what we never had. And that's what drives us. And that's what actually like pushes us even more than just wanting to do more for ourselves is wanting to be there even more for you, right? It's like twofold. It's so exciting to learn more. It's so exciting to change the way we're thinking about things. And it's so exciting to go, you know what? I had a pretty firm belief in what, in this thing, you know, years ago. And now I'm completely shifting away from that to the opposite side. And that's not a bad thing. I don't have to feel shame for that. I don't have to feel weird about it. It's just part of this growth trajectory. Yeah, exactly. And when you were talking about this, I was thinking about how I talk a lot about, you know, perfectionism, control, right? This kind of like fight or flight state that a lot of my clients are in. But as we've talked about, you were experiencing a lot of that shutdown state, right? And we don't talk a lot about the shutdown. I think when people think about survival, we're thinking mostly about the sympathetic fight or flight system instead of that kind of shutdown um, stage where you're kind of frozen. So I kind of just wanted to share this for people that are listening. So basically, there's a theory called the polyvagal theory and the vagus nerve, which is our 10th cranial nerve, is part of the parasympathetic nervous system. Okay, so people think of the sympathetic state is this kind of like fight or flight, right? And then we know that there's this shutdown stage that people get in, but like, what's going on here? How do people get to a place now where they're not in that constant, like, what is that state when someone's not in that fight or flight, but they're also not in that shutdown? That's actually called the ventral state. So there's three states to this. There's the sympathetic, right? And then Underneath the parasympathetic state is the ventral social engagement state. And then there's the dorsal state, which is the actual freeze and shutdown state. So a lot of people don't understand like how this all works in unless you understand uh, the vagus nerve and the polyvagal theory. So when you're in that fight or flight, you're going to be, you know, obsessing about things. You're going to be rigid with your routines. You're going to have a lot of self-criticism. You're going to be very regimented, which is what I was, right? And then when you're in this like dorsal vagal state that shut down, you're going to feel numb. You're going to feel overwhelmed. You're going to feel paralyzed by the situation and you're going to feel helpless, which is what Rachel felt. Mm -hmm. And then what we, I believe, you know, what Rachel and I are 
and now is that ventral vagal state, which is that social engagement, which is the optimal place that we want to be within our nervous system because we are relaxed, we're flexible, we're clear-headed, we're open, we're receptive, we're self-compassionate. So that state is the optimal state for us to be in. So in case you're wondering, because people, I think people think, well, I'm either in this flight or flight or I'm in this like shutdown, right? And that's not the way it is. Like that optimal state is for us to be able to be relaxed, but we're also alert at the same time. We have clarity. We're not freaking out that something's going to happen to us or we're not completely paralyzed by the threat or whatever is going on in our life. So just for context, for people listening, you know, something to learn more about is the vagus nerve and the polyvagal theory, because it helps you put your state into perspective in case you're like, well, I don't feel like this and I don't feel like this, you know, but honestly, if you're listening to this, you're going to be mostly in that fight or flight sympathetic, or you're going to be in that shutdown free state, because that is where all the chronic symptoms reside. That is where we are symptomatic. And when you get to that ventral vagal state, which I feel that I'm at now, our body doesn't need to raise its blood pressure. It doesn't need to have muscle tension. It doesn't need to have our heart racing. It doesn't need to be obsessing about things. It doesn't need to be fearing things. That is a state that I didn't know over the last seven years that I got myself to. So when I started learning about all this stuff, as you guys know, I've been saying, it's like, my mind has been mind blown because I'm like, holy (laughs) shit, I understand now because I couldn't understand. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not in the sympathetic state anymore. And I'm also not in that freeze kind of like disassociated shutdown state. So where am I? Because I feel good and I feel happy and I feel alive and I feel empowered. And so that is that ventral vagal state. And the more that you do this work, the more that you meditate, practice mindfulness, you know, breath work, you know, all these grounding practices, anything to help bring your mind and body back into the present moment. That's basically the state that you're getting to when you are not feeling like there's a threat at hand. And like right now in my body, there's no threat, right? There's no threat that my nervous system is perceiving. Cause like, even if I get a swollen joint or like, you know, a symptom pops up, I can now look at that and go, oh, I see you body. Okay, what's going on here? And I like Rachel and I talk about a lot, looking at it from curiosity of like, why is my body being symptomatic? But not from a a criticism state, not from an anger state, but like a simple curiosity because we are relaxed enough to be able to look at that without getting emotional with it, right? Oh my God, freak out. This is the worst thing to happen to me. And that's the key to all this because that's how you are regulating your nervous system. If you don't have any practices in place and you let the mind go to worst case scenario and you stay in that worst case scenario, you're back in that fight or flight. So now when I recognize something and I recognize where my mind's going, okay, see a swollen joint. Now I'm going, oh, what the heck? This is not good. Then I replace that with, okay, what happened here? Okay, let me listen to that. What's my body saying? Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. I I see you. I need to take a break from working out for a couple of days. Mm -hmm. Guess what happens? My symptoms go down and I'm back to normal. 
But versus before, in the beginning, it was like if a new joint swelled up, I'd be like, oh, my God, like this isn't working. I'm freaking out. Like, what can I do? Like, it was like just total panic attack. And now I know I'm in a completely regulated state because I don't have that complete panic freak out. I have those thoughts, right? Nobody's perfect. Like your mind goes somewhere, but I can quickly pull it back into the present moment, bring my body back into the present moment, bring my nervous system back into the present moment saying, we're safe. We're okay. Nothing bad's happening to you. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost like you will learn that you'll kind of dip your toe into those other states because that's part of this human experience is dipping your toe into that sympathetic state and into different ways of being and feeling. But your primary operating state is that like cool, calm, collected. I like to, I literally like picture like a little character of that like ventral vagal state, right? Mm-hmm. Of being like just at ease and joyful and feeling love in your heart and just like love for your journey and your life. And you guys know that I love my like metaphors. Um, So I just like picture when you're in that sympathetic state for a long period of time in that like chronic stress state that your body and your mind and your soul start to like really seem familiar, right? So we hold on to it longer because it feels familiar and our brain really likes the familiar, whether or not it is health promoting or not. And when we're in that state, it's almost like you're holding a heavy weight, right? Like you're holding a 30 pound dumbbell in your hands and you're just holding it and holding it and holding it. You're like, Oh my God, this is so heavy. Oh my God. And you're just like standing there and standing there and it's heavy and it's so heavy. And you just keep holding it. And you're like, I don't know what to do. Like, it's so heavy. I can't, it's so heavy. And you're just like, your hands are starting to hurt and your body and your mind is going crazy and spiraling. And then all of a sudden you go, I can put it down. I don't have to carry this. I don't have to keep holding on to this. I can simply put it down. And then you realize, oh, wait a second. I feel so much better now. I just put that down and now I can like move. I can use my hands again. Like my body isn't hurting right now. And so when you kind of open your mind and different perceptions of your journey, you realize that you can put that weight down. You realize that nothing is as serious as it seems. And you realize that you really do have the control in most aspects. And it just, that's how you start to tap into more of that freedom and that joy and that excitement and that fun. And you get to like work more and more into that. And what Erica was talking about, about like that shift in mindset and the way that we think about like flares, for instance, that is something that eventually truly, you don't even have to think about anymore. Truly, Once you practice enough of consciously shifting your mindset and going, okay, this is what the, this is what's going on right now. This is what's in front of me. And this is how I'm going to shift my mindset around it. The more you practice that, the more I promise you, because it literally happened to me this morning, unconsciously it, a light flips and all of a sudden you're like, that's not my narrative. I don't have to think about it that way. Like I was, I was like legit flared up last night for the first time in a very long time. My like ball of my foot, my toe, my knees, my wrist, my hands. Like I was just like, I am not in good shape. And I knew why I did like what Erica was talking about. Okay. Objectively, let's take a look on like an outer scope of what happened. What was there like some sort of antecedent? Okay. I think I know why. Cool. What can I do about this now? I'm going to look at this from an objective standpoint. What can I do to support my body and my mind right now? And so I did. For me, that looked like calming music, hot shower, deep breathing, putting CBD cream on my knees and my wrists, 
um, taking meloxicam, right? So it's a mixture of that Western medicine and that holistic side. And I know at this point, because I've done such soul searching and I've done so much trial and error and, you know, learning my body and learning my mind and learning to listen that I know what to do for myself, but you have to have a mindset of coming at it from a scope of curiosity and exploration and expansion. Otherwise you're going to be basically like throwing things at your body and your body's gonna be like, this isn't what I want. Like, this isn't what I need. Maybe you literally just need rest, but you're trying to do all these things or take extra medication or whatever. And so you're kind of getting caught up in that rather than genuinely listening. And so the point there is that the more that you are committed to doing what it takes to shift those subconscious beliefs and like do things consciously, then it will shift to where you don't have to be doing them from a conscious place. They will just simply unfold and happen and it'll feel very natural. Yeah. And to add to that, you know, your fight or flight, your free state, your this shutdown state, right? Those are autonomic processes. Those are processes that are happening without our conscious awareness, right? So that is the key here to understand when your body starts, you know, its heart starts racing or thoughts come to your mind or you feel like there's a threat, you know, in your body or around you, that's not conscious. That's happening below our consciousness, right? That's that lizard brain. That's that uh, animal-like part of us that's like responding as if we were in nature, right? So it's like, we have to understand that it, we don't directly change our autonomic state just by shifting our mindset. We do that by creating that safety back in our lives. And over time, your mindset can align with your nervous system state, which is interesting because we've talked a lot about mindset, right? And I always wondered how, you know, some of my clients, no matter how much they try to shift their mindset, if they're stuck in that nervous system state, Mm -hmm. because they actually haven't done the deeper work, meaning the sensory work of letting our nervous system know it's safe. Because here's the thing, our nervous system doesn't know it's safe by simply telling it we're safe, right? So the way it learns is by going, okay, what's around me? What do I see? What do I hear? What do I, right? Connecting back to our senses. That's that that is an experience. Yeah, exactly. But the thing is simultaneously, if you're doing those type of practices, like I did, like meditation and mindfulness and breath work and all that stuff with the mindset component, my nervous system would get worked up. Right. And so there was other practices in place like breath work to get my system back into a parasympathetic state. And when I could get there, my mindset would align with it and go, okay, we are safe. Everything's okay. And I could think about it in a more logical way. So just understanding that is very important for people because I think a lot of people are like, well, I'm trying to, you know, write affirmations and I'm trying to do this. And like, I still deal with a lot of this anxiousness and a lot of this fear And just know it's a completely normal response. We need that fight or flight. We need that freeze. But now after you get diagnosed or you become adults and you become more resourceful, there is ways to teach your nervous system that doesn't, it doesn't need to respond that way. And it doesn't need to stay stuck in those arousal states because that's the problem, staying stuck in it. And so 
it's interesting because it's like a lot of my journey has been very focused on mindset. And I think that mindset shift has helped me regulate, but it was really all the other practices in my life, like, you know, having a good social support, having a supportive, loving husband, um, you know, creating these actual practices in my life that taught my nervous system, hey, we're not back in our childhood self that was going through trauma and was unsafe and scared. We're, we don't have deadlines anymore for school. Yes. We don't have a boss that treats us like shit. We don't have coworkers that are stressing us out. And so teaching my body, we're not teaching my nervous system. We're not there anymore. We're in a completely safe environment where you can heal, where you can relax, where you can be yourself. That is what helped me heal a lot of my symptoms over the last seven years. So it takes time. It's building layers, right? I don't believe it's like, do this one practice, then do this practice, then do this practice. And that equals nervous system regulation. It's like all of these things can simultaneously be happening, which are teaching our nervous system, but it's going to be different for every single person. I truly don't believe even with nervous system regulation that there's a step-by-step process for that. It's a, it's a level of awareness and it's a level of understanding and it's a level of replacing those survival parts or shedding those survival parts so you can operate from your true authentic self. I absolutely love how you said all that. Very well put. Um, yeah, you have to like really support what you're telling your mind by aligning all of your actions in the environment that Mm -hmm. you create. And I love like safety is literally the key to this human experience. This is all our body and our mind and our soul want is safety. That is the connection thing. Yeah. And so basically you have to look at every single piece of the puzzle, the people that are around you, your home environment, the foods you're putting into your body, the way you speak to yourself and the way you speak to others. Like, how are you carrying yourself in this life? Are you constantly complaining about the people that you work with? Are you constantly complaining about the weather? Are you constantly like talking down to yourself? What is your perception of your life and this chronic illness journey? And remembering that every single aspect of this is related to that safety and connection. And we have to feel that connection with ourself, with our environment, with the people around us in order to feel that safety. And in order to feel that connection, we have to create safety around all of those things, right? They're so intertwined. And so I think Erica raised a really good point that you need to pay attention to the way that some of these things may be keeping you stuck in a past version of yourself, right? Are you perpetuating past patterns that you've experienced in, let's say your home environment? Did you grow up in a messy household and do you keep a messy household now? Is that perpetuating this stressed, chaotic mindset within you? Or can we maybe start to take some steps to at least have one area of your home that you feel very safe and comfortable and excited about, right? Or are you acting from a place of, of trauma in your life? You know, like, are you still, um, were you yelled at a lot as a child? And so your, your survival response was to yell back. And so anytime anyone confronts you about anything at all, are you instantly jumping to that place of defense and yelling right back at them? Or are you taking a, just a quick step back and saying, okay, look at this rationally. Now I might still feel internally this feeling like I need to defend myself, but I don't necessarily Mm -hmm. need to act on that. And again, this is all easier said than done. This is the point of this is to show you where you can get to from doing all this inner work. And another thing that I want to bring up is 
are you genuinely, and I want, I really hope that anyone listening genuinely, like really, I hope that anyone listening really, really reflects on this. Are you genuinely wanting to heal? Is every single part of your being so ready to feel good in your own skin? Are you actually really wanting to strive for a place of freedom and joy and excitement and fun? Or are you still maybe just a little addicted to that feeling of healing, of finding that next vice, of connecting with other people who are feeling stuck as well? Because until you make the awareness that you may be keeping yourself stuck, it's going to be really hard to climb out of it. Like I said, it's hard to realize when you're operating from that space. But once you do, it's kind of like you can't unsee it. You either make a change or you stay stuck. And I really, really hope for anyone listening that if you are like, oh my God, I think that I've kind of been keeping myself stuck and maybe I am addicted to finally, uh, to maybe I am addicted to always finding the new modality and the new practitioner and the new product that'll help me. And I actually have not been doing the deeper work. I've been slapping band-aids on myself this whole entire time. Oh my God, light bulb moment. This is me calling you out. Reach out to Erica, reach out to me. We are here for you. We work with clients one-on-one. Erica is amazing at working on all of that deeper inner nervous system regulation. I also have an autoimmune collective, a private support group through a separate app. You don't have to use social media to access where you get all of this support and all of these resources that you need on your journey to actually move on. I posted on my social media story the other day saying like, you guys, most of us in the autoimmune community have spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on programs, on protocols, on doctors, on practitioners, on, you know, um, treatments, on all of this stuff. But yet we're scared to invest money in a person that will genuinely, that has been where you have been and will genuinely help you out of this. And it's not us helping you. It's us helping you to help yourself. Because you do have all of the tools you need within you. We're just giving you a little bit of an extra boost and some guidance of things that will help you from this point forward. You have literally nothing to lose. If nothing else, you work with us for, let's say, a month. God forbid you're like, you know what? It's been a month. You're not going to be any worse off than you were. And you know what? There's plenty of treatments and people that you could work with out there and um, medications and diets that you will you could absolutely be worse off if you stopped working or once you start working with them. So this is like... I hope a big wake up call for you. I think it's really, really important to make that realization for yourself. Am I ready to genuinely step into a space of feeling better and not identifying as the person with RA, the person with lupus, not identifying as the person who's quote unquote, always sick, the person who can't hold a job, like all of these narratives that we tend to tell ourselves when we're staying stuck, you can let go of those, but you have to genuinely be ready. And it's not it's not to shame you or guilt you if you're not ready. That's okay too. Keep listening to us. Keep coming along for the ride and you will get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And on the other side of that, with the chronic illness side, heavily identified with their diagnosis, right? Their nervous system feels safe and dis-ease. Mm-hmm. Their nervous system feels safe when they are symptomatic because it actually makes them feel their body and, and their body, yeah. right? We 
people, I believe, that are heavily identified with their diagnosis and the label and adding on more diagnoses mm. is that they are unconsciously, chemically, and physiologically addicted to their suffering. Yeah. Emotions, their feelings, their somatic experiences. And I get it. I know that sounds really offensive right to people and people are going to get very defensive about this of like, I don't want to be sick. I don't like feeling like this. Right. But you have to take a look at your behaviors, your habits, your survival parts, and how are they continuing to perpetuate that disease in your body? What are you actually doing about it? Are you taking responsibility for your current health and saying, okay, what am I actually doing that could be contributing to that? Or am I continuing to perpetuate all of these things that are keeping me in dis-ease, right? So that's the thing about this is when you are in that place where you're overly identifying, it's because your nervous system may think that's a safe place to be. So your actions, your thinking, everything is going to align with that. I have a lot of clients that have recognized that, you know, through my coaching of like, I actually feel safe when I'm sick because my parents pay attention to me. My family pays attention to me. I somehow matter because I'm sick. And so what, what's going on is like, you know, they're unconsciously getting some type of validation, some support, some love, not in a way that really is beneficial for them, right? Because they're keeping themselves sick by attaching to that label. But it's the only way their nervous system has learned to feel valid and important in this world for a lot of people. It's no coincidence that a lot of my clients, I was talking to my husband about this, also identify with being an outsider, What is the correlation there? Okay. I used to see myself as an outsider. I used to say, I don't fit anywhere in anywhere. Nobody understands me. You know, I used to think I was like this weird out there person, which I'm still weird in my own, you know, goofy ways and stuff like that. But that weird was a, a, a lack of worthiness, a lack of uh, fitting in, you know, in a, in a social world that I didn't feel like I had anything to contribute to. Mm. So when I look at this stuff, I'm telling you throughout my coaching the last three years, I have understood these deeper layers into people's chronic health problems that I don't tell them. I'm not saying mm-hmm. you're keeping yourself sick, yeah. because <laughs> up, right? Through the work, they end up coming. Maybe it's a year later, right? I have a client that, you know, I have a couple of clients. It's been almost a year and they've made some profound realizations. And since those realizations, they've truly been an active participant in their healing because before that they reckon they, they were unconsciously doing things to keep themselves sick. Mm -hmm. So that way they got the love and validation and appreciation and all the things that all human beings want. Yeah. So I want you to know, no matter what you're stuck in right now, it's not you. Okay. This is your nervous system and your brain is part of your nervous system and your mind is part of your brain, right? It's all linked together. So you are not consciously making yourself sick. You are not doing this to yourself. You are not a bad person. You are not a lazy person. You are not any of these things. The point of this conversation is to uncover 
these survival parts that our nervous system has utilized to bring some type of fulfillment to our unmet needs in our life. And the more you understand that and you more you can make that connection for yourself, you're escaping this autopilot that you've been in. And that is the key to healing is escaping the autopilot that your nervous system has been in, your mind has been in, your body has been in. And once you fully understand that whole context for yourself, and it's going to look different for every single person, although my clients deal with a lot of the same things, the source of their symptoms is very different. Okay. So everyone's going to look different. And the point of this is to have compassion, be grateful for your nervous system, Mm -hmm. for all that it's done to protect you. But if you want to heal and you want to progress with your health, You have to recognize these aspects and you have to consciously do the work. And the work Mm -hmm. is not this straightforward detox, treatment, supplement, acupuncture. Those things can support it, but it's not going to get to that deeper layer, which is a lot of people say, I've been doing all these things for four years and there's this other layer that I can't get to. Well, let me help you get to that other layer. Yeah, exactly. And just because we are speaking from where we are now doesn't mean that a we're not continuing to grow every single day and doesn't mean that we're like sitting here like, oh, we're healed and you can be healed, right? We still have things that we deal with. But the difference is we are dealing with it from a different mindset. And we are personally feeling called to empower you on your own journey in order to maybe not make some of the mistakes that we've made. Right. But some of those quote unquote mistakes, I even hesitate to call it that have actually brought us to where we are now. Right. And so we just want you to realize that wherever you are right now is not where you have to be forever and is not where you should be forever. And, um, to kind of build on what Erica was saying, you, don't realize how much dis-ease you're embodying until you actually take a step back. And again, it's Mm -hmm. not easy to take a step back, but once you do, you can't unsee it. But until you ask yourself those hard questions that we've talked about, you're not going to be able to realize. And it's uncomfortable to ask yourself those questions, right? It's uncomfortable to ask yourself, why do I somehow feel better when I'm having symptoms? I feel, have, hold on. It's hard to ask yourself a question like, why do I feel more loved when I'm experiencing more symptoms, right? It's hard. And that's why it's often referred to as shadow work. That deeper subconscious healing and unconscious healing is referred to as that because often we don't see our shadow, you know, like in this physical realm, we don't see our shadow very often, but it's not scary. Like I know that the word, the phrase shadow work sounds scary, but this is where the expansion truly, truly starts. And so the way that I started tapping more into it, because I, I used to think the word shadow work sounded really scary too. And I was like, I don't know what that means, but I don't want to do that. But until I started tapping into that, I wasn't getting to a true point of homeostasis within my body and mind. I like to envision it as kind of like a field of wildflowers sometimes so that it takes away some of that perception of darkness And instead it's almost like you have to, you might have to go through some like dark woods once in a while to get to that field of wildflowers, but that field of wildflowers is always there waiting for you. Right. And you can picture it however you want. If you want to picture like, I don't know, beach or whatever, but sometimes, yeah, you have to go through some icky sticky places to get there, but it's also going to help you learn yourself in more of a way than you've ever realized possible. And in doing that, you learn to live from a place of empowerment and compassion and 
you start to carry yourself in a very different way with more confidence, with more grace, with more like love for yourself and the world around you and the people around you. Like I'm, I'm going to just call myself out real fast and say all the way up until when I was probably like 20, I was never like mean per se, but I was never super like, I was never like the nice girl, right? I was like always pretty like bossy, like pretty, like look at me, da da da. And then once I like, this was a few years before I was diagnosed, I started being like kind of just again, diving into a little bit of that like self-development work. And I started making a shift. And now I truly, I like to think that I'm a very kind and open and welcoming person. In the last 10 years, I've made that shift. There were aspects of myself that I just wasn't really carrying myself very well. And obviously some of that is just immaturity, right? You kind of come into yourself and you learn the way that you want to perceive, be perceived and perceive yourself. But I think in a lot of that shadow work, I also learned how to use some of those kind of characteristics of myself in a positive light and in order to help myself and in order to help other people. But without diving deep on traumas that I've experienced, on light, on behavior patterns, on life events, I wouldn't be where I am today and I wouldn't have the health that I have today. Yeah. Exactly. And I feel like you saying you're kind and open and all of that stuff now is a representation of your nervous system state, right? When you when your nervous system is dysregulated, you are not going to be able to be that that ideal version of yourself because your nervous system is like thinking about other things, right? Mm-hmm. It's not thinking about how am I treating somebody? It's very focused on the self. That is what happens when you get in dysregulation. You are entirely focused on the self, right? So when I think back to, you know, my past version, people would not perceive me as I've mentioned on this podcast multiple times, but like people wouldn't perceive me as a present person back in the day because I was constantly in that fight or flight and I was always working, always going to school. I didn't have the time, which really was energy which was really based off of my nervous system, but to be present with people, Mm -hmm. right? That wasn't a thing. And so now to be a present person and to have people acknowledge that, like we've talked about, I think we've had an episode about this before, about how people, you know, would have perceived you then versus like what you Mm -hmm. are now. And like to actually be in the embodiment of a kind person of, you know, open and stuff like that. And me actually being able to be present with people and offer that safe, place for them is not something I could have done if I had not done this work on myself. So you can't force yourself into be a kind person. You can't force yourself into being a present person. You have to do the work, which sheds all these survival parts, gets your nervous system regulated again, again, and that social engagement where you actually can be there for people. You can Mm -hmm. actually show up as the best possible version of yourself. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is like going back to like kind of the chronic illness, you know, spoonie mentality, right? Let's call it yeah. spoonie mentality. Yeah. Cause I really think that's what it all kind of fundamentally, um, stemmed from. I was thinking about how people are so obsessed with this invisible illness. Right. Yep. And I, I'm not going to lie. I got into that too. You know, there was parts of myself until really the last couple years have I noticed why is it so important to make invisible illness visible? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's think about that right now. Ooh, okay. 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 Let's okay. go there. 
<laughs> okay, so I'm just thinking about this and things are firing and wiring in my yes. brain right now. But it's because, okay, so why do we want, why do we need people to see that we have a disease and that we experience these symptoms? And I really think it's that we unconsciously, those people that heavily identify with that and want their symptoms to be shown, their illness, their disease, their symptoms is a representation of their inner suffering. Okay. And a lot of these people don't have the validation that they need in their life. So they need the world to see, look at, these are my wounds because this is the trauma I went through. This is my inner child screaming to be seen, seen. but not only that, but not only that, but to create a community of people that are feeling the same way, way, right? Humans are tribalistic. We want to create our tribe, right? Like Rachel and I, we have our own tribe. Rachel has her own tribe. I have my own tribe, right? It's like all these different subcategories. But really, if I really think about this kind of fascination with this Spoonie mentality and the invisible illness being so important for people is like, I don't think a lot of people realize like there's this inner suffering that needs to be validated and they, they want the world to see that because otherwise what would these symptoms be of use to them? It has to mean something, right? Yes. So we're always trying to find meaning as humans. Like what is the meaning of life? And so we're constantly trying to connect the dots there and maybe, maybe just maybe we don't need to connect the dots. We don't need to do that in order to function as the highest version of ourselves. Yeah. And it, and at the same time, it's like, you know, there, I do believe there is a personal meaning for each person because these symptoms are teaching them something, right? They're teaching the person to slow down. They're teaching the person to be more kind to themselves. They're teaching the person to prioritize nutrition. They're teaching uh, the person self-regulation their, of their emotions. There's there's a meaning behind it. And that is personal to the individual. But I'm talking about on this grand scale of like convincing the world, really, this is something that I live with. And like, yeah. why is that so? And I, and, and, and I don't want to be, you know, I'm very cautious of how I'm saying this because I don't want people to think that, you know, people should just, walk around in pain without anybody understanding why they're on crutches or something if they have a disease, right? It's not like we're not going to explain that. But I'm just talking about this kind of like collective consciousness in the spoony world of like, there's some type of way to connect and like build community because a lot of those people, like I said, may feel like outsiders. So all of a sudden, they have all these other people and now they're building it off of this, right? And it's community is great. Connection is great. But we have to look at, is this actually disempowering people? Is yes. this people, is this getting, is this keeping people sick? That is all I care about. I don't what care. Is what is that connection and that community doing for you? And like, yeah, again, genuinely asking yourself those tough questions. It's not easy to ask yourself those questions. So it's almost like, you know, like when people, for instance, are like, I don't want to like really bring politics into this, but I think it's a really good example, right? When people are like gung ho about politics and they need someone to know their stance, no matter what, in any conversation, they find a way to insert it constantly. It's Mm -hmm. like that. It seems like sometimes within that like spoony mindset, right? Of I need people to know what I'm going through so that I can justify this 
when you come to a place of a regulated nervous system and a true place of homeostasis within your mind and body, Mm -hmm. you don't need to, because you have that validation and security within yourself. You have that safety within yourself and it doesn't fucking matter what anyone else thinks. Okay. Yep. That is the foundation of all this is that you don't have to care what other people think. You no longer give a shit. You're like, look, I'm just doing me. Like this is why we do what we do, because we want you to feel comfortable and excited and empowered in your own skin, in your own mind, in your own body, in your own soul. And so fucking grounded in that, that it doesn't matter what other people are doing or thinking or feeling about you. I used to care so much about what other people thought about me in every aspect of life. And now I could give two shits if someone's talking shit behind my back, or if someone, you know, is like judging the way that I'm managing my, my symptoms, or if someone is judging the way I'm running my business, I don't care. I've Mm -hmm. got blinders on because I know that I'm doing what feels really, really good to my own body and mind and soul. And I'm Mm -hmm. moving forward every single day and expanding my reach and expanding what I'm doing and how I feel about myself and my purpose on this planet and spreading love and light is my one main purpose, right? And helping people to build community, which is why I created my wellness method collective. So if you're going to take anything from this episode, please take the fact that you are still worthy of love, of safety, of enjoyment in this lifetime and of feeling fulfilled in this lifetime, regardless of whatever symptoms you're going through, regardless of any diagnosis that you have, regardless of any life circumstances you're currently going through, you are your worth is not tied to your diagnosis. And like we always say, you are not your diagnosis. You are a beautiful and powerful soul in a human body on this planet. At the foundation of it all, that's what you are. And you are meant to enjoy this life and actually find a true sense of purpose and inner knowing of yourself and a feeling of wonder for what the possibilities are for how much your capabilities can expand for the types of relationships you are able to cultivate in this lifetime and that tribe that you can find that will actually empower you to be the absolute best version of yourself. And one of those tribes is the connection between you and yourself. To add to that, there's two parts of ourself, which is the observer self and then the experiencing self, okay? So a lot of people get heavily identified with their experiencing self, which is their somatic experiences, their feelings in their bodies, their emotions, their pain, their symptoms. And they forget that their true self is the one that is observing the symptoms, the one that is observing all of the sensations, all the signals and cues that are in their body. And that is, I feel like the biggest part of keeping yourself sick is staying identified with the experiencing self and not reconnecting to the true self, which is the observer self, because that is what this whole process has been for me is like be realizing I am not my thoughts. I am not my emotions. I am not my pain. I am not my symptoms. I'm simply the one observing it. And I think a lot of people in the chronic illness community heavily identify with their experiencing self. So they disconnected from their true self, which unconsciously they're creating this social media identity to Mm. regain a sense of self, but it's not creating a true sense of self. So that is honestly, when I look at all of this, Sadly, and I don't mean any disrespect to anyone on social media, 
but that is what I see. A, a person lost, they've lost connection to their true sense of self. And they're unconsciously trying to regain that sense of self through identifying with their disease and their symptoms. Mm-hmm. It's not to say you can't be an advocate. You can't, you know, talk about these things and share the difficult times. Both Rachel and I do, mm-hmm. but we have a true connection to ourself, that authentic self, that that consciousness, that true consciousness that makes us alive, which makes yeah. us beings, right? And we we can look at our symptoms and going, okay, that's just what my body's experiencing. That's not who I am. So the label, the symptom, the diagnosis, it's not going to define my define my quality of life. And I think that is what I'm passionate about. If I could sum up my coaching or anything I do is helping people reconnect to their true authentic self, which is the self that actually thrives, that's happy, that's peaceful, that feels whole, that feels grounded, that feels alive, that feels connected, that feels engaged. That is the true self. And when you connect back to that true self, I guarantee all of these symptoms that you experience on a regular basis will become less and less and less and less the more you connect back to your true self. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly why Erica and I, when we are working with clients, rarely talk about a diagnosis or specifically about symptoms, right? We are helping you, like she said, to disconnect from the diagnosis and to connect to your true inner self. Because you have to remember that you are a soul, a spirit essence in a body, not the other way around, right? The the essence of you, that inner, inner being that we're trying to help you to connect yourself with is not what's experiencing those symptoms, is not mm-hmm. what's experiencing that pain and that discomfort. That's your mm-hmm. physical vessel that's going through mm-hmm. all of that. And so to a certain extent, you have to kind of separate the two so that you can meld them back together and realize the harmony that can happen between them. Yeah. And so within my private collective, we very rarely talk about symptoms and diagnoses and all this stuff. And same thing on Erica and I, like both of our one-on-one sessions, we're talking about the deeper stuff. We're talking about all of those hard questions that we were talking about. We're talking about the, the, the inner child and the shadow work and all of these like limiting beliefs that are coming up in order to keep you where you are. And then you get to utilize those and kind of insert those into every aspect of your life so that you can find that true growth and expansion. I absolutely love this conversation. Uh, I love when we get all, um, you know, passionate and we're like, Oh, oh, oh." (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's so much good stuff. And again, stuff pops to my mind as I have conversations, stop mm-hmm. stuff pops in my mind as I'm going to sleep. Like things keep connecting for me, mm-hmm. you know, specifically just within my own life and my own journey and my own health. And I just get excited about it. I don't even like look at it like, Oh my God, here's another thing I yeah. have to tackle, which is what a lot of people uh, feel right. If they're in that shut down yeah. dorsal state, right. That overwhelmed the, Oh my God, this is too much. I don't even want to unpackage all of this. Right. There's a lot of people that are in that, which is why they don't even start the work. Right. But once you'll get to a place where it actually becomes exciting, it becomes motivating because you're like, Ooh, the more I tap into this, the better my quality of life is going to be. And it doesn't become daunting. It's not stressful. It's just simply another way of improving your health. And 
I'm very thankful for this journey and how it's led me. And I had to go through what I had to go through. And I had to start this journey the way that I did. And I had to try all the things that I've had to try Mm -hmm. to get to this point. And I just, I'm so excited to see like what knowledge and wisdom and experience I'm going to continue to gain so I can continue to refine my, you know, my coaching to help more clients and to help people, you know, that don't work with me that just follow me on social media. Um, And we just appreciate you guys like on this journey with us and letting us be transparent and open and, you know, be honest. Like I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't articulate this when we started this podcast, but I knew all of this stuff. I knew all of this stuff. I just didn't have the proper words to, to be able to put that together. And so it's very exciting to be able to share this new like perspective with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, before we started recording, I was kind of going through like old notes from like a year after I was diagnosed And it's funny, I was telling Erica that some of the stuff I was writing down was literally talking about nervous system regulation and all of these things that we talk about now with, without the terminology, right? Mm -hmm. We're just simply connecting all the dots with ourselves, And we're trying to help you to do that for your own journey as well. And I really urge you, if you're listening to this and you are like, whoa, all of this speaks to me. And I love the way that they're speaking. And, you know, I really connect with this point and this point and this point reach out to us for coaching. This is like a tiny freaking part of the tip of the iceberg, like the very tippy top of it that you don't get to see any of the behind the scenes stuff unless you are working one-on-one with us, right? Or in my private community. Like there are so many ways to get involved with each of us in coaching and in really stepping into your higher self, your higher purpose in this lifetime. Don't keep yourself stuck any longer. If you're like, hey, I guess maybe I might be stuck, but I don't really know what to do about it. That's what we're here for. We are not the ones that are going to tell you, do this, don't do that. It's We're pulling you out of that mentality. We're pulling you out of that fight, flight, or freeze. We're pulling you into this light, bright, welcoming, exciting space of healing, of really true, deep inner growth and knowing of who you are underneath the diagnosis. Because again, you are not your diagnosis. You are that beautiful, powerful soul in the human body in this experience. Yep. Excited to continue to talk more on this, but we'll talk to you guys on the next episode. Ending on angel numbers 1144. Goodbye. (laughs) Bye.